How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. It's good to see. You. I love getting to hear you guys sing together. And there's just there's something special about um, worshiping together and hearing uh, your your voices in the room. So it's so good to see everybody. I want to welcome everybody online today. Thank you so much for joining us uh, there in your homes. You're just as much a part of our church as, as the folks in the room. And we just want to take a moment and say welcome. Can we welcome everybody joining us online? Well, before we jump into the message, um, I want to take just a second. You watched a video uh, talking about baptism next Sunday night at 6.30. We're having a special night with worship, extended worship, and baptism. And uh, I, I can't think of a better way to spend my Sunday night. And that is to come and worship with people and, and then also celebrate in people's decision to follow Jesus. And so we've got several people already signed up for that. If you're interested in baptism, we would love to connect with you. Uh, today, you can grab any of the staff, and we'd be glad to help you uh, take that next step and figure out what you need to do to sign up. But please make sure that you come and hang out with us. Uh, for those watching online, we will not be live streaming that event uh, because we're going to be uh, using our cameras and equipment to use the worship portion of that night for some of the gatherings that we're doing in July. And so um, it won't be live streamed, but we would love to have um, all of you guys here with us. Well, today uh, we're going to jump into the scripture. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to the book of Luke chapter uh, 21, Luke 21. We're going to start reading in verse 29. Today I want to talk to you on the subject, on the subject of fighting to see figs, fighting to see figs. Let's read the word of the Lord together. It says, and he, he being Jesus told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34, it says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of life. And on that day, it will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. That we in, when we come together, we can read it and we can absorb it and we can allow it to, to do a supernatural work in us. And we're asking for that today. We're asking for your words, the, the very word of God, that it would speak to us in a way unlike never before. We believe you for it. And we'll be quick to give you the praise in Jesus' name, the strong son of God. Amen. Do you remember the moment in your life where you discovered that you're kind of easily distracted? Notice I did not ask the question, are you easily distracted? I'm asking the question, do you remember when you noticed that you were easily distracted? I, I, I can remember several moments where I caught myself just sitting down, whether I was by myself or in conversation with somebody, finding my brain just uh, ping-ponging off so many different things in, in my own mind. I, I think that we can admit as a culture with, with everything that we have at our disposal, we find ourselves all too often fairly easily distracted. 
We find ourselves fairly easy distracted on a regular basis. And I think, by the way, um, we, we kind of come by it naturally. This is not a, a young person issue or an old person issue. This is a if we're living issue, right? Like we all have moments where we find ourselves being easily distracted. And if we look over the last 60, 70 years, we can see a, a direct connection between uh, our entertainment and what we do in our homes and this mode of distraction, right? A lot of it has to do with this little thing in our house called a TV. 60, 70 years ago, when, when people begin to get those in their homes normally, there was what? One TV with what, three or four channels? How many of you remember rabbit ears, right? Um, I remember rabbit ears, not because I am old, but because I was poor. And so um, I, I remember having the rabbit ear and you're sitting there with your foil and you're trying to, like, to get three channels. Then we went from that all the way to cable, right? And you, you said, I, I can't, I need more distraction in my life. I need more options. So I'm going to have 100 channels in my home. Then we said, no, no, no. Nobody gets to tell me when I want to watch Blue Bloods. I want to watch it on my own time, right? So we decided, what do we need? We need TV on demand. Like we need the ability to watch what we want, when we want to watch it, and how we want to watch it, right? And so we have all of these options to watch whatever we want, whenever we want to. And it is it has helped us and hurt us at the same time to be people who are more distracted because we can do what, whatever our mind immediately thinks of, we can just do it. And we're so used to flipping so quickly that it throws us off. And the, the issue is for many of us, and, and it's innocent enough that we have moments in our life where, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to go home and whether it's TV or whatever your, your source of distraction is, you can pop it on, you can kind of relax, you can, as we like to say, decompress and, and chill. But the, the problem is we've become such a distracted culture that we actually now are finding ways to be distracted from our distractions. Uh, the other day, uh, my wife Jessica I, and I decided we wanted to watch through uh, the Hobbit series. And, um, and so, so you need to understand like my issue with Lord of the Rings and anything connected to it. I think that two hours and 45 minutes is the longest any movie should ever be, ever. So I have fallen asleep through most of the Lord of the Rings movies. I, I'm, I, look, it's not that I think they're bad. I just, I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. I'm going to fall asleep. So, so I said, we'll watch the Hobbit series together. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to watch it in increments of like 30 to 45 minutes, like it's a mini series. And, and we'll come back and forth. So we took like two and a half weeks. We watched the Hobbit. Well, probably a week in, I think we're on the second movie, um, I'm sitting watching The Hobbit. I'm completely entertained. I'm good to go. Something pops in my head. So what do I do? I, I think, oh, I wonder if I can find something on Google about that because Google doesn't have any shortage of suggestions, right? And so I pulled out my phone and I begin to search for this thing that I was looking for. I was looking for a coffee thing. And all of a sudden, a video on YouTube popped up of like a how-to video. And I sat there and I begin to play a video on my phone while I'm watching something in order to like give me a break from my day. I'm taking a distraction in my life for my distraction. 
Like, and this is, how many of you have done that before? Like, while you're, yeah, mostly men. Like, I see that. I, I see that. I saw like one lady's hand go up and the rest of you were guys. Maybe it's a guy issue, right? So I, like, I remember sitting there watching this and thinking, what am I doing? And then about the time it dawned on me, my wife looks at me and goes, what are you doing? We all know what that, like, there's a tone that, you know, I, I don't know, but apparently it's wrong. And so... <laughs> Whatever, it is what it is. So I'm sitting there and I realize like how ridiculous this is because I'm, I am literally distracting myself from my distraction. We are a distracted people. We just are, like it's just a reality of the culture that we live in. And when Jesus is talking in this passage of scripture uh, that we're reading, he is actually talking to people who are distracted people. The Bible tells us that as Jesus is talking, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, we need to think about it in, in kind of two different um, places in our life. There is the global kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of God that, that is connected directly to like the, the soon return of Jesus and that everything that is connected to the kingdom of God, that is the kingdom of God. But there is also the kingdom of God that dwells in me. And there is also this personal aspect to the kingdom of God that involves my life and my decisions and how I live. I would call that part of the kingdom of God the activity of God in your life. And Jesus is saying to these people, he's saying, listen, I wanna make it super clear that the kingdom of God or the activity of God in your life is an obvious thing, or at least it should be. It should be as obvious as going and seeing a fig begin to bloom out of its leaf. You know when you see that, that it's summer. So when you see the activity of God, you will know that the kingdom of God is at work. And this is what he's telling us. He's saying, listen, this should be easy to pick up on. It should be easy to understand. This, this is what it means to recognize the activity of God in your life. But then the, the next half of Jesus' discussion here says, says this. He says, but I want you to pay attention or be careful lest you be weighed down. Other versions actually say distracted here. Lest you be distracted from these three things. And he lists these three things. He says, lest you be distracted from dissipation, from drunkenness, and from the cares of life. Why does he say that? Because these distractions that are there can cause us to miss the activity of God in our life. He's saying these things will cause us to miss it. And he gives us three examples of what things can weigh us down or distract us. The first thing is dissipation. When we look at this word in its original context, what it's telling us is this, that to, to dissipate in this text would mean to say to be somebody whose attention and whose philosophy and even very foundation of their life is one that is easily swayed. One that as, as you come into new information, it, it sees you shifting often. That whatever you, new thing that you hear or whatever concept that it's new, you immediately adopt them and you go from one place to another, from one place to another. Whether it's in your own personal life or politics or wherever you find that area, it is a part of you that is swayed. And he's saying don't be distracted or weighed down by the thing that is swaying your culture have a foundation that allows you to focus on the thing 
that God's called us to focus on, and that is the kingdom of God, the activity of God in our life. The second thing that he mentions is drunkenness. Now, we all um, have some type of a concept of understanding of what drunkenness is. But when we see examples in scripture, it's important that we don't just take that example, but we understand the foundation or the reason for that example. We need to understand that when the scripture talks about drunkenness, it's not just talking about the act of drinking too much alcohol or even using a different substance. It's, It's what that causes in our life. And that is the opposite of dissipation where we're being blown everywhere, but it is the numbness in our life to what is going on in our life. It is the numbness to the pain and the plight of other people. It's the numbness to to what is happening so that we can just take a break and feel a little bit of momentary peace. And for us, the culture that we live in, it's unlike the culture of the scriptural day. It, in that context, the, the primary use for that was, was to overdrink. In our culture, you don't even have to use a substance to do that. There are tons of things, whether it is your entertainment or, or maybe for you, I, one thing that I've struggled in my life with for, for years that I, I have to be very attentive to when I go through difficult seasons is I'm a little bit of a stress eater. So maybe your issue isn't Jack Daniels, maybe it's Ben and Jerry's. Come on, somebody. Like, like we all have these issues that we deal with that, that are there to just distract us from the things that are going on. And regardless of where that lines up for you, we know those things that give us the same relief that drunkenness would. So he says dissipation, drunkenness, and then he says the cares of life. Those things that we just simply can't control, but we also can't get out of our head. Those things that bother us, those things that steal our peace, those things that cause us to worry, those things that take us from a place where we have clarity and strength and make us feel insecure and alone and concerned. Cares of life. Jesus is saying, be careful because these things, they'll weigh you down. And you will miss the activity of God in your life. You'll miss the kingdom of God. And the ultimate issue that we have with this is that these issues in our life, these, these problems in our life, these, these things that vie for our attention, they ultimately cause confusion. Right? Because if Jesus is saying that the natural state is clarity of what's happening in the kingdom of God. The opposite of that would be confusion. It's, it's confusion. It's what, what should I be doing? Well, I, I don't know. Should I, should I listen to how I feel? Should I listen to what the scripture says? Should, well, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I sh- how I should act. Why? Because it's confusing. Because we've allowed things to become the forefront of our life. And when we allow more than one thing to become or to sit at the forefront of our life, it will distract us from what God is trying desperately to get to us. And Jesus says, it is as clear as seeing a fig bloom. And so what's the, what's the ultimate issue? What's the ultimate issue with the passage? 
that, that Jesus is, is kind of letting us know at some level. He's saying, hey, listen, this busyness that you do, this dissipation that, that causes you to sway back and forth in what you believe and what you think and what you understand is the goal. Whether, whether that thing that, that you uh, struggle with switching to is, is a different idea of what who, or of who God is, or if it's a different um, focus, like maybe for some of us, I know that oftentimes our career and our desire to achieve becomes that, that thing that sits at the forefront. Whatever that thing is in front of you that's vying for your attention, or that thing that you're using to just numb yourself in the spot that you're in in life, or that thing that keeps on circling to the front of your mind that you just can't seem to let go. All of these things that even up our days and weeks and months and creep into every minute of the day. The great issue is that it's normal. It is normal. The world that we live in today, that reality is normal. And we have learned to think in terms of that being okay. Yet, it is the opposite of what the kingdom of God desires to place in our life. See, the, the kingdom of God is not something that causes us chaos or confusion, it is something that causes us peace. It has a completely different focus, it has a completely different rhythm. And it brings not confusion, but simplicity and clarity into our life. But the fight that we're in is the fight between normal and what really matters in our life. It's the fight between what we have decided is okay and acceptable and right versus what the kingdom of God says is your best. And this activity that God is calling us to, this, this activity of God is as obvious when we receive uh, clarity as seeing the fig bloom. But in order to see the fig bloom, we have to fight to see it. That the fight that we're in is the fight between ultimately what is normal and what really matters in our life. It's the fight between what is normal and what really matters. And it is a greater war than we often give it credit for. Because what is normal to us actually seems very comfortable. It's easy, oftentimes when we talk about the activity of God or the will of God in people's lives, we talk about it in this idea that, that like you need to search the will of God out for your life if you feel like a hole in your, in your soul. Like if you feel like something is missing, we say, man, you really need to discover the will of God for your life. I would argue this morning that the people who need the will of God in their life the most are not people who feel an emptiness on the inside, but in the culture today we live in, but the, the people that are able to feel fulfilled without asking the question, is the activity of God evident in my life? We struggle with this because for many of us, it, we, we think that we can't feel fulfilled if we're not doing what is right. Yet we live in a world that tries to fulfill everything with the busyness and the chaos of our life without that. And if we're not careful, we'll miss out on the activity that God desires to, ha to have in our life. To see the kingdom of God come. To see the blooming, the fruit of the kingdom of God in our life. So the question is, how do we fight the normal? How do we deal with the normal? 
And the way that, that we see Jesus talking about it, it it's evident he's saying, you, you need to be careful with all of this because there's something greater coming. There's something better for you. There's something more simple and, and good and peace-giving for you. But you have to fight to see that fruit. You have to fight to see the fig in your life. And the question is, how do we do that? We have to fight for what really matters. How do we fight for what really matters? We choose to prioritize what matters. That's how we fight for it. We choose to prioritize what matters. Look, we all have priorities. Whether we are intentional with them or not, we have priorities. And if we want to fight to see the fig, if we want to fight to see the work of God, the activity of God in our life, it comes at the cost of fighting for it. And it comes at the cost of choosing priority in our own life. So I want to give you three thoughts in the remainder of our time this morning of what matters. Three things that matter. And the first one is this, that God matters. God matters. I know it seems super obvious. I know it seems super, um, I like to say cookies on the bottom shelf. But it's the truth that God matters. God matters in our life. And my question is, how do you prioritize God in your time? How do you prioritize God in your time? What's your relationship look like? Probably the last two or three times I've had the, the privilege of speaking, I've, I've said as one of my main application points, hey, you should like, you know, read the Bible. You know why we say it over and over and over again? Because you need to read your Bible. <laughs> Right? Like, it's something that you need to, like, it's not, it, it sounds good, but like, there's not a point in our life where that becomes less important. Because the Bible is bigger than a how-to manual. It's how we discover the character and the nature of God in our own life. And it's also how we more accurately see with simplicity and clarity the activity of God in our life. It's how we do that. We do it through, through two primary ways. We, we, we do it through having a conversation with God, first through the word of God. And not only with the word of God, we, we like to, to read it, we want to read it and consume it in a way that we begin to understand better who God is and better what God desires for us as a people. Not only that, we also have the opportunity to talk back to God. There's this beautiful thing called the dignity of causality, which means this, that God cares so much about relationship with you that he allows your prayer to matter. He allows your prayer to matter and make a difference. And it's a dignity that God gives us that when I pray, that when I talk to God, that it, it does something in the supernatural, not only to me, but, but around me. That's why praying for people is important. Because there's something powerful that comes out of prayer. And if I'll choose to engage in this on a regular basis, it's amazing how quickly I begin to realize how significant my time with God is. But it has to be a priority. It has to be the first priority. And not only that, I, I want to say this to you. Maybe you're in here and you say, I'm like, a little overwhelmed with the thought of reading the Bible. Maybe, maybe you're a person that says, I've never read the Bible. No, I'm supposed to, but I've, I've just never started because I pick up a 1,500-page book and I kind of freak out a little bit. That's okay. We actually have a great resource for you as a church to help you begin that walk and help you begin to study the Bible. It's called Right Now Media. 
We, we, uh, we've paid for it as a church. It is free to you. And you can set up a free account. If you want to set up an account today, one of our staff should easily be able to, to help you walk through that uh, today. It's free. And on Right Now Media, it's like Bible study Netflix. Like literally, it's what it is. You can go in there. You can type in pretty much any book of the Bible. And there's a short um, week or weekly study. Sometimes there's six, eight, or six to eight to 10 week long studies where you can just walk through the Bible with somebody who knows the word of God really well. And you can read the, the first chapter. It tells you how much to read. And then it has a little bit of commentary on it for it to make it make sense to you. So if you're overwhelmed by that, we want to help you begin that journey. We don't just want to say, read your Bible, hope it works out well. We want to partner with you and help you grow. But if I don't choose to pick up those resources that are afforded me, and I don't choose to make time to spend time in God's word, then I'll never really make it a priority. I have to choose to make it a priority. God matters. And the second is this, people matter. People matter. Husbands and wives, do you prioritize your relationship? Do you prioritize your relationship? Let me be clear. When's the last time you took your wife out on a date? When's the last time you, you took your wife out? When's the last time you spent time having a conversation where the TV wasn't on in the background? Now, I'm not just putting it all on the guys, but, but listen, your relationship matters. Husbands and wives, your relationship matters. It matters that you prioritize that time. And listen, I've got two kids under five. It's tough. Like I get it, it it's tough. Um, I, I, we are busy at home and I am a recovering workaholic, okay? I, I work hard, I love to work. I love to get stuff done. But I've had to learn to, from my own detriment oftentimes that I have to find time to make my relationship with my spouse matter and to make it a top priority. It's easy when you live in the same home with somebody to neglect them in relationship. And not only with your spouse, but also with your children. It's easy to go home. I mean, my, look, look, having a coherent conversation with a four-year-old is work. I don't, I don't know if you know that. It's work. But there's something about prioritizing that time with my children. And I, I'm by no means perfect at it. And it is tough a lot of the time. But there's something significant that happens when I prioritize that time. God's called us to be people who prioritize relationships. How do I know that? Well, look at the life of Jesus. The majority of his time was prioritizing people over himself. In, in the most simple ways. In the most basic of ways, the people he cared for, the people he spent time with, the people he showed grace and mercy to. I mean, you, you could automatically jump to the cross to talk about prior, prioritizing people over himself. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the simplicity of how Jesus lived his life throughout the scripture. He prioritized people. And we start by prioritizing people that are closest to us. And yes, we should prioritize anyone that God places in our life at some level. That we care for them and we show them hospitality and we show them that they matter. Because when we show them that they matter, we're also showing them that they matter to our God. But it is so important that the people that God has placed in our life, especially in our family, 
that those people experience priority in our life because it is modeling the heart of God out for them. It is, it is honestly, I believe this, that, that as we better understand the activity of God in our life, we'll actually see that lived out as well. And so we need to prioritize people. Now, I would say it like this, that for me, I have found that I better prioritize both God and people when I, when I choose to have a Sabbath. When I choose to have a Sabbath. Um, we've, we've talked about this word a, a decent amount over the last uh, several months, but it's to cease from work. It's to cease from work and to put focus and priority in our life and what really matters. That, that is what a Sabbath is. It is to cease from putting our hands to something and make sure that we do something that has a greater impact. And, and oftentimes we struggle with that because for those of you, if you're like me and you're a little bit of a workaholic, that, that's tough sometimes. And it, it can be difficult. But Sabbath matters. Being willing to take a day where you spend time with God, just a little bit extra than you do maybe on a regular basis. And taking the time to, to really love on your, your family. And if you're in here and you're single, you say, I don't have a family. Yeah, you do, they're called parents. You know, the people that God tells us that we're to honor. It's the first, it, it's a gift to you, that your parents are a gift to you. Listen, I haven't always said this, and I get that not everybody has the luxury of, of being able to say this, but one of my closest friends is my father. Not because my dad is Superman, but because we've chosen to prioritize our lives to have that relationship. And I get that not everybody has a healthy relationship with their dad, but when we prioritize relationships in our life, some of the deepest relationships, some of the deepest moments, some of the greatest help in our life comes out of those relationships. And when I take a day, a week, I obviously don't do it on Sunday because I don't know if y'all know this, I work on Sunday. We do it typically on Friday. That's our day. I wake up, we make breakfast as a family. We watch a little bit of Looney Tunes because it's passing something down to my children that's important. And then we go do something as a family. This weekend, we went and played in the river, watched my kids um, splash each other with squirt guns in the river at the Willamette Mission. It was fun, it was, it was a good day. It, and it seems, there, there are days where, I, there, if I'm honest, there's part of me that's like, okay, I got stuff to do. But honestly, that is the stuff to do. That, that the simplicity and clarity that comes out of God's activity in my life comes out in my family. And when I spend time with God, there's something special that happens there. That, that when those two things are coupled together, there's something significant. The last one that I wanna, I wanna give you is this. God matters, people matter, and eternity matters. So often we forget that this life is temporary. This life is temporary. And not in some theoretical, sort of, kind of, sort of, no, no, no. Jesus is coming back. It's sad to me that all too often, we don't really value that reality until we're up in years. 
But that's a reality that, that when, you, when you read the scripture, that is so clear time after time after time after time, that, that there's something bigger than the thing that's going on in your life right now. And your cares of life may feel important right now. The, the things that you're trying to, to block out because they're painful, all of that stuff is difficult, but there's something bigger. And that is eternity. My question to you is how are you prioritizing eternity in your life? How are you investing in eternity in your life? You say, well, I don't know where to begin how to invest in eternity. Well, we've got a, a next step for you today. And that is in just a moment, we'll be done here in just a few minutes. And we're gonna walk out this door and you have a choice to go left, to go home, or to go to wherever you like to eat brunch. Um, or you can stay and go through step two. Step two is literally, it's super simple. This is what it's about. We wanna help you discover what God has placed inside of you and help you apply it in a way that you can make an eternal investment. You say, well, well I thought it was about getting you to connect to the church. Well, yeah, that's an eternal investment. Look, I've worked in ministry for a little over a decade and I can tell you, I see more uh, cards, whether you, we call them connect cards here. I see more cards with comments on them. As much as I love uh, like the preaching in this house, I think Pastor Aaron is a prolific preacher of the gospel. And I think our worship is incredible. But can I tell you, it's probably three to one cards that say when I came in, I knew this was home because of the people at the front doors and because of the people who picked up my children and cared for my kids. That, that's some of the greatest investments in eternity that we have here. And so often we forget that. So often we forget that a principle of the kingdom is, of God is, is the humility in seeing what we would see as the greatest as the least, and the least as the greatest. And it's when I choose to prioritize eternity and make that investment that something significant begins to happen. It's when, it's when I choose to do that. Now, I wanna encourage you, if you're not serving right now on Sunday, begin to serve. Take 25 minutes to sit through our step two class and just listen. You don't have to commit to anything today. It's just taking that initial step to make an impact. And as I do that, as I begin to prioritize God in my life, as I begin to prioritize people in a different way, maybe it's through taking a Sabbath, and I begin to prioritize eternity in my life to make an eternal impact, that fight that seems so difficult, that fight against the normal begins to fall away. Because what I've done is I've taken what God desires to partner with me with and help me grow in. And I've said, I'm going to make this the most important thing. I'm going to make what matters the most important. It, it is the fight to see the fig, to choose these priorities. And as I do it, I begin to experience simplicity and peace unlike ever before. But I have to choose to fight against that thing that is normal in my life.